Well, good morning, Saints, or for those of you watching in the UK, good afternoon. And for those of you in the UK, happy Mothering Sunday. For those of you who are my mother, hello, Mum. If you've got a Bible, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at this together, shall we? And as you turn to Ephesians 5, and I can see in the little comments feed to my right that some of you already are. Hi, Zach. Hi, David. Hi, Anne. Welcome. We're looking at human relationships right now, even virtual electronic ones like this. And we're looking at all of those relationships, everything from the very brief ones that we wish had lasted through to commitments that have gone on too long and that we deeply regret. And in the next couple of weeks, Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote this book, zooms in on three of the most important relationships of all, marriage, and then next week, children and work. Every one of these relationships, I suspect, is probably suffering right now as we gather together or sit at home. There was a report by the British government last week that said the coronavirus was likely to cause a spike in divorce rates. And in the House of Lords, Baroness Shackleton of Belgravia, introducing a government bill there, said that one only has to imagine what will happen when couples are self-isolating together. This is the lady who worked as the divorce lawyer for Sir Paul McCartney, Madonna and the Prince of Wales, <laughs> saying these things. She continued, just imagine what it will be like when families are sealed in a property for long periods of time. It will be worse than Christmas. What a cheery thought. Some of our relationships right now are being badly strained. At the same time as that is going on, others who are isolated are feeling left out. So the question before us this morning or afternoon, depending where you are, is what difference does it make to be in Christ Jesus at a time like this? As we've seen in this series, it all comes down to Jesus. Everything does. Without Jesus, we are by default selfish people. All humans are. If you don't believe me, watch the news just for a few minutes. When you've watched the news, please pick up your Bibles and read that to detox. I've seen too much this week and it's, it's getting me down and maybe you're in the same place. We all of us worship something. It's very probably ourselves that we worship if your identity is about yourself, your activity will be about yourself, your relationships will go wrong. When people submit to Jesus, we have found that everything changes. Everything does. Kat and I, my wife, who's sitting at the back of the church, socially distanced from everybody, will tell you that we have seen uh, some of the most wounded relationships healed when the people in that relationship become all about Jesus. When they submit to Jesus, everything changes and there is hope in Jesus. Even if you don't have the relationship you want because it's been taken away or you've lost it or it never started, if you are in Christ Jesus, then everything can change. And I want to say this, the disruption of the norm that we're experiencing right now could well be the saving grace of your relationships. It could be the beginning of something deeper, something new, something special that you've not had before. But let's be realistic as well. Even if you are a paragon of 
connubial bliss right now. You will still have some difficult days, I believe. For example, maybe you lovingly made a curry to boost the immune system during the lockdown with all of the rich colours of the the cumin and the the spices, the cardamom, the garam masala. And uh, it was a curry that all in the household enjoyed. And then maybe as a gold standard act of service, you even washed up all the pots in the sink, the white porcelain sink that your spouse had just extensively cleaned. Maybe, let's say, for example, it stained that sink quite badly. Who knows? Maybe that fostered within the household a certain uh, animus that could be detected there, let's say. I'm just speaking in the most general terms to try and reach people as broadly as possible. What does the Bible say about occasions like that? I I wonder. Sometimes a scripture can be incendiary to the modern ear, I think. And uh, if you find such a scripture, I don't recommend quoting it in moments like that. This, this scripture is so dangerous that I've had to preach it to a near-empty building just to be on the safe side. Look at it with me, please. And then in six months' time, you can start an argument with me if you remember this. <laughs> Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Dot, 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 verse 24. Now... As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. As we've seen, the central hope for all relationships that you have is to submit. It is to be a you-first church. That is the central hope of all relationships. Here are some important points to understand. The verb submit that you see there in the English translation of your Bible, verse 22... It's not actually there in the original language. There is, in fact, no verb in verse 22, not at all. It is borrowed, it is inferred from verse 21, that verse that talks about mutual submission. Now, this grammatical point might strike you as just a bit of detail, but in fact, it's important. You cannot understand verse 22 unless and until you've understood verse 21. Verse 22 flows from it, even borrows the verb from it. It makes no sense at all without verse 21. And submission is described there as mutual, reciprocal. It is described also as being out of reverence for Christ. It is founded upon Christ. Wives are called to submit to husbands. Husbands are called to submit to wives because everyone is called to submit to to everyone else. All of it is under the authority of Christ. Note also verse 25, where husbands are given a verse. Now this isn't earthquake. You think this virus is is changing society. What Paul says here is an earthquake. He's about to give a reciprocal instruction to a person who, in that time, had near unfettered discretion to do whatever he liked. And here the husband is told to love his wife. There's an extra instruction for husbands here. He's covered by that verb submit that covers all human relationships. Now he gets an extra verb as well, love. 
It is a stronger instruction that is given to husbands than the one that is given to wives. And there are four different words for love that Paul could have chosen to use here. And if I'd written this passage of scripture, I know which type of love I would have chosen. It would have been the Austin Powers type of love that I would have chosen, I think. But he he chooses the Jesus type of love, which is a little bit annoying, isn't it, blokes? And he emphasizes what the Jesus type of love is by saying this. Love, here you go, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you want to know what love is, just take one look at the cross. This is how we know. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. Husbands are called to behave like Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for us. A husband is called to lay down his life for his wife. That is what love looks like. That's what leadership looks like. That is why when it comes to the crunch, any woman in the right mind would be willing to submit to the authority of her husband in the house because he is only using that authority in turn to love and to submit to her. A few weeks ago, I said something to one of the children that they didn't like. Now, I've said many things to them that they haven't liked in the interim, but this is a salient (laughs) moment. I have actually no recollection what the actual thing was. It might have been no more ice cream after midnight, or please limit the Xbox usage to 13 hours a day, or put on underwear, or something (laughs) controversial and draconian like that. And, and, And one of the kids said, right. I'm telling mummy. Like, I'm going to go to the Supreme Court and I'm going to get you overruled on appeal, Dad. I stayed very calm and I said, well, of course you can talk to mummy if you like about this, but she will support me because I am the head of the household and God has appointed me to that role. And Hannah said, that's wrong. That's immoral. You are equals. Cat jumped in. And she said, that's true, we are equal in Christ Jesus. But I submit to Daddy. And he does his best to put me first. And at this point I was like, yeah! (laughs) Excellent! And then she continued. And she said, and when he fails, he has to explain himself to Jesus. You know, a little bit difficult to hear these things, but this is the best way we understand and and put this this, uh, passage into practice. And if that sounds to you as you hear it like an ideal, that is because it is an ideal. Uh, So ideal that this relationship that we're examining here is in fact founded upon the way God himself works where Christ, who is equal with the Father, co-equal as a member of the Holy Trinity, nonetheless submits himself to the Father. As we saw last week, that submission means death. Submits his life on the cross for us. The model of submission is Jesus Christ. Amen. Not just the model, but the power behind our submission is Christ. We're only able to do it because of Jesus. Here is another reminder 
Paul does this. Every time he makes a little point about activity, he goes, oh, they're going to forget the identity stuff and throw fruit at the vicar. And so he says in verse 26, it's all about Jesus. And here's what Jesus did when he submitted for you. He sanctifies, he cleans, he washes. This is the COVID-19 verse. You could actually translate some of these Greek words, sanitize, which is awesome. And he presents the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Riddled with the stuff, but presented as clean by the work of Christ Jesus. Jesus cleans that which no human can clean them in themselves. Husbands don't do this for the wives. The little sort of reciprocity of the language and the mirroring of husbands being like Jesus is suddenly disrupted at this point. That bit's finished now. And now what is done here by Jesus is unique. It stands uh, as unique. This is not something I do for Kat. This is something Jesus does for all of us. Grace is the great leveler. We all stand before the throne of God equally undeserving of grace, equally in need of grace. We are equal before the Lord because we all need him equally. No husband is better than his wife. In fact, lest any husband reads this and starts to use this as an excuse now to domineer his wife and push his weight around, it says that they are in fact one. She is not submitting to him. She is submitting to themselves. Verse 28. uh, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Dot, dot, dot. Just as Christ does the church. Verse 30. Because we are members of his body. We're members of Jesus Christ. If you're still annoyed by this submission idea, you have fundamentally misunderstood your identity. You have fundamentally misunderstood Christianity, in fact, your spouse is as much a part of you as you are a part of Jesus Christ. In fact, we all are. This is not a talk on marriage. This is a talk on Jesus. Marriage is an illustration of a broader point that we in Christ Jesus are one. A marriage is an example of a godly commitment, but it's just one example of it. Our challenge in the next few weeks is not just to hunker down within marriages, but in fact to be the body of Christ, where we treat every relationship in Christ as primary and live like that is really true. And I, I want to finish by just saying that this is important because right now the world is watching us, watching the church watching Christians and asking, does this stuff about Jesus make any difference at all? I think it does. Our favorite preacher, Simon, was telling a story the other day, reminded me actually that we have our own version of this story, and my suspicion is that everybody who's done ministry within the Church of England will have a story like it. So during my curacy, when I was doing the job that Reverend Ben does now, We lived in a house that was owned by the diocese. That's often the case that the local diocese owns all the homes that clergy live in. And when things go wrong in the house, diocesan builders come around, a group of guys 
who will work almost exclusively on properties owned by the wider church. What this means is they become experts in what ministers are really like behind closed doors when they think no one is watching. And at the start of them coming to to fix the heating or whatever it was I think they were doing at the time, I tried to initiate some conversations with them about my faith. You know, take the opportunity just to share with them the good news of Jesus while they were stuck in my house for two or three weeks. And uh, each time I started one of these conversations, what I discovered is they would shut it down. They did not want to know anything at all uh, about this. And they'd been with us for about a week And there had been, on my part, strategic banter, you know, edgy conversations to show that I'm really just a normal guy. There'd been fancy espressos from our machine and offers of cake and bacon sandwiches and all these continued attempts to evangelize. And those of you that know me well know evangelism is not my gifting. Espresso is my gifting. But they did not want to know anything at all. And after about two weeks, one of them came up to me and said... So, we've been talking, the lads and I, we've been talking about you, and we'd like to know something. What kind of a priest are you? I'm like, I, I, this is weird. Like, uh, you want to know the, like, the arcane inner workings of the hierarchical substructures of the Church of England? Okay, I, I could do like two hours on this subject, but no one's ever asked me that before. Uh, what kind of a priest are you? And uh, then they interrupted me before I could get into a long one. And they said, are you one of the Jesus ones? I said, yeah, I am one of the Jesus ones. And they said, well, we thought so. We can always tell. The Jesus ones are different, you see. And they told me all these stories things they'd seen inside clergy homes, the fighting, the arguments, the strange things with money, the abuse that goes on behind closed doors, the pomposity, the entitlement, the parading around. They told me that one female vicar had even assaulted a member of the crew and tried to hustle that man into her bedroom. And he said to me, this builder, an Irish guy, He said, I've seen it all, and they scare the bejesus out of me. Now, I don't know bejesus. I suspect it's blasphemy, but I know who Jesus is. I don't don't just know who he is. I, I know him. I know he is our only hope. I know how he changes lives. I know what I was like before he changed my life. And embarrassingly, in these YouTube and Facebook times, so do half the people watching this. I know submission to Jesus Christ transforms lives. I know that it transforms homes. I know that it transforms relationships. I know that it transforms isolation. I know this because in Christ Jesus, we start to become a you-first church, and that is quite different from what we're seeing on our screens right now. Church, we don't do this to get right with God. We don't even do this as some fancy self-help technique to get right with each other. We do this because we already are, and when we do it, the world is watching. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
You are good and you are gracious and you are powerful and you have set these ways of life in order that stand even in times of crisis like this. So Father God, we pray for our marriages and we pray for our relationships and our homes. God, we pray for those distanced and isolated from those they love. And we pray, Father, for those who are maybe locked down in a home on their own. We pray for your church to find new and inventive ways, not just to replicate what we're used to on a Sunday, but to go far deeper 24-7 as a church that is fundamentally founded in you and on you alone. In the majestic name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.